In this episode, I spoke with the Swiss-based Digifarm team, who are trying to tackle some of healthcare's most challenging problems, specifically in the pharmaceutical pricing and clinical trial spaces. Both the Chief Executive Officer Ahmed Abdullah and the Chief Operating Officer Girishi Fernando are co-founders of Digifarm and have spent parts of their careers working at the second largest global pharmaceutical company by revenue, Roche. Ahmed recently joined the Center for Trade Facilitation and Electronic Business, part of the United Nations Economic Commission for Europe, as an expert in blockchain technology for healthcare. Zach Daniels, Digifarm's Chief Technology Officer, also joins us from Denver, Colorado, and he spoke about the specifics of Digifarm's anticipated technology. I apologize in advance for the sound quality of parts of this episode. There were periods of technical difficulty, but we were able to make it through, and it gets better as the conversation unfolds. Hi, I'm your host, Ray Dogan, and welcome to Health Unchained. On this show, I will be speaking with healthcare entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and executives who are using blockchain technologies to revolutionize healthcare. These innovators are building the distributed infrastructure and diverse communities required for a trusted, secure, and decentralized healthcare ecosystem. Enjoy the show. What is blockchain? What is blockchain? What is blockchain? The doctor will see you now. Okay, and today we have Garishi Fernando. He is the Chief Operating Officer of Digifarm and Zach Daniels, who is the Chief Technology Officer of Digifarm. And what Digifarm is trying to do is take value-based healthcare and actually bring it uh, to the consumers, to the ecosystem, and to uh, pharmaceutical companies as well. So uh, maybe you guys can you know, kind of introduce yourselves a little bit and kind of talk about how you got into Digifarm. Sure. I could start with uh, well, Garisha. Thanks again for... Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks a lot for having us, Ray. Um, my name is uh, Grish Fernando, uh, the the co-founder of Digifarm and also um, the chief operating officer, as Ray uh, mentioned. So I started uh, Digifarm with uh, the founder roughly about a year ago, and um, you know how it came to life was essentially that uh, we come from the industry, so we have a background in, in pharma. Um, but uh, also in you know health economics um, from the industry side, but also from the academic side, and uh, we saw uh, uh, you know uh, something coming up, you know a big shift in in healthcare, um, and at the same time this is kind of where you know blockchain came out of its kind of the dark net I would say, and and you know out in, uh, into the public, and you know Bitcoin was getting. Uh, big uh, Ethereum's, all the cryptos were getting there, and um, we we got more interested in technology, and we saw that uh, there would be a perfect love story between you know enabling value-based healthcare or solving the problems in in implementing value-based healthcare and uh, blockchain technology. So that's from uh, my side. Uh, yep, and uh, I'm uh, Zach Daniels. I'm the uh, CTO of uh, Digifarm. And um, <clears throat> so I've been in, uh, in crypto and blockchain for several years uh, professionally. Um, and the way that I got involved in Digifarm is actually um, I'm a part of a lot of uh, community groups. Um, and so I, I regularly publish information around blockchain, cryptography. Um, and I've just published uh, an infographic around smart contracts and blockchain and cryptography. And uh, the CEO, Ahmed, uh, was also a part of that group. 
Um, and so he reached out to me and just uh, we started having a conversation about what my capabilities were and what I do. Um, and uh, he asked if I would be the CTO and I said absolutely because I feel like this is a project that uh, can really make a mark on the world and uh, has a great application for blockchain. And so. speaking of Ahmed, I think uh, I think he just joined our channel here. How are you doing? Yeah, so we have the CEO of Digifarm here with us as well. Hi. Hi, Ray. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks for joining us. Uh, maybe you can kind of introduce yourself, talk to us about how you started Digifarm, and um, maybe a little bit about your history in the pharmaceutical industry or you know economics and discuss that background. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just to give you a background on me on my professional life. So my background is essentially in health economics. So most recently working at Roche in the global office in Switzerland, previously um, reviewing submissions from manufacturers uh, to service in the UK, so reviewing their economic models and, and working on the technology appraisals there. Prior to that, working across the pharmaceutical pipeline from clinical data management to uh, you know, early research uh, and things like this. And essentially, we came up with, you know, this concept and this idea on what Digifarm is all about, really due to the experiences we had working within the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, um, we saw that there, there is huge problems around the ability to process based pricing agreements and uh, tracking patient outcomes and getting over this issue where there are always untrusted parties trying to transact with each other and things like this. And we thought using smart contracts and blockchain technology is essentially, you know, the best way to, to get around this. And um, so we developed our concepts, our white paper, and started building our platforms. And then we see we're, we're having great reception. So how much, uh, first of all, thank you guys all for joining. I know it's, uh, for some of you, it's pretty late over there in Switzerland. So thank you for um, you know, participating. Uh, I wanted to ask, can you tell me about your experiences at Roche and, you know, how it's guided some of your decisions at Digifarm? Uh, I think from my side, essentially, um, what we saw is essentially when a new drug would go to market. So whether we're reviewing this or whether we're applying to enter a market to get, you know, reimbursement for this drug, um, so it's provided to patients. Essentially, there's a long negotiation process. And this process takes into account both the, the costs and the resource use of this, uh, you know, of providing this new treatment, but also the effectiveness. And the effectiveness is typically measured using clinical trials. And when you are providing this, you know, this data to insurers or governments or whoever is going to be paying for these drugs, Essentially, there's a lot of mistrust in the data and it's essentially quite hard to apply what happened in clinical trials, which is a very controlled environment, to real-life settings. And often these negotiations would last more than 15, 16, 17 months, which is often two to three times the survival rate of late-stage cancer patients. So we knew there was a broken system and there needed to be a system where outcomes could be tracked, the cost of these drugs could be made accountable, essentially. So there's a fair price paid 
you know, and, and the fair price received for uh, by all stakeholders. Right. And so, you know, thinking about clinical trials and, you know, they kind of seem old fashioned to us now, considering we have all these apps, we have wearable devices, we have the ability to transact data uh, more quickly and easily. And for some reason, you know, we're not applying those technologies in the clinical trial space or it's, you know, it's taken a while to get there. So, you know, we have this idea of real world evidence and I'd like to kind of learn about more. How does Digifarm, how does it envision itself, um, you know, collecting w real world evidence or how will it use it to build its ecosystem? Yeah. Well, real world evidence is gaining, you know, a lot more importance, uh, you know, especially over the last few years. And we see drugs are coming to market sooner and sooner. So drugs are often to market access with phase two data and very data. Um, and this is also found something that's becoming uh, more prominent, especially with the use of genomic profiling and, and the use to, to essentially identify treatments and identify, you know, uh, patient groups. And what's required now is a system that's able to track outcomes in real life and be able to reconcile that against some sort of pricing agreement. And, and this is a mature concept, and we see that the industry is trying, trying to set the area, but the problem is it has these, you know, infrastructural limitations. So what we're building is a system that's able to link and integrate into health information systems and be able to pull this data essentially in real time to inform these pricing agreements or range of prices payers and manufacturers essentially agree as a fair price for, for, for the outcomes that tr these treatments provide. I see. Uh, I mean, that's a great vision to have. Uh, so I wonder about, you know, the technology. So I wonder, Zach, if you can talk a little bit about what Digifarm, what kind of technology that you guys are using in order to build your blockchain, or is it a, you know, is it a token? Can you describe how that works? Sure, no problem. Um, so it's, I mean, it's a combination of several things. Um, the breadth of the issues that we're attempting to tackle uh, requires sort of a hybrid system. Um, so we we do have um, we do have a blockchain solution um, that we'll be using uh, primarily for the smart contract portion, um, and we do actually have a token um, that we'll be using as well. Um, and and that's primarily for just kind of ease of transaction and be able being able to uh, generate um, you know patient incentives and things like that. Um, and then we'll actually be using um, some off-chain um, storage as well, primarily for holding um, all of the uh, real-world evidence data. Um, the amount of data that we're going to end up collecting as, as we grow is, uh, is, is vast, frankly. And at the current time, blockchain technology is not exactly the best suited um, for holding that data or querying it. Um, right now, blockchain is, is a little bit expensive and the performance isn't what you want when you're looking to query things or do analytics. Um, so we'll use a combination of, of the token, the blockchain, uh, and some off-chain uh, data lake technology as well to, uh, to blend all together and make it work the best that it can. Do you know where the data will be stored off-chain? Is it like going to be some sort of cloud solution? Sure. So it'll, it'll be something um, like, uh, like a SAP type solution, um, which most healthcare uses to store their data. It's compliant, it's secure, um, and it's fast enough um, and, and uh, you know, cheap enough that uh, you can get a lot of data in there and then query it and run analytics on that data as well. 
I think, you know, as Zach mentioned, we use a combination of also, you know, public blockchains, right? Because working in the sector, we understand and we realize the comfort, you know, how important privacy and confidentiality of these pricing agreements are. Um, you know, appreciate that pricing is often things to these manufacturers. Um, clinical trial results, yes, they're confident always eventually released right and out into the public domain. Whereas, you know, pr pricing data like that, you know, uh, net prices uh, and, and, and discounts for certain payers, these are things that are really, you know, really important. And that's essentially why we all focus on using these permissioned uh, blockchain networks. So can you tell me what kind of traction you've had so far? In terms of user um, adoption, mm -hmm. in terms of either client side or consumer side? I, I mean, from the client side, it's been uh, really amazing to start. To be honest, at the start, we started reaching out to pharma companies and organizations and letting them know we're building this. And once we went to one or two, you know, events held by farms, by, sorry, uh, you know, targeted at pharmaceutical companies, essentially it's come to the point where organizations are contacting us directly. Um, so we're in discussions with uh, more than uh, seven of the top companies by revenue and then a lot more within the top uh, 20 to top 30 uh, in regards to, you know, uh, payers and international health authorities, uh, negotiations and, and, and discussions for test beds with more than six of these um, with a lot more essentially interested. However, we... We, can, we have to limit, you know, who and where we pilot, essentially. Um, and again, very similar for, you know, insurance organizations, for, so companies. So we're discussing um, some sort of pilot and test bed with one of the largest insurers in the U.S. as well. Um, and it's not just, you know, Euro Europe and the U.S. We're also getting interest in, you know, in, in the Far East, in the Middle East as well. Sort of the large markets, especially. And most importantly, these are the reference countries and reference. So, so areas where if they choose to implement our solution, then countries within the locality will essentially follow suit. So I was always wondering, there's a lot of blockchain companies actually you know, developing their products, building their communities out, but they're based in Switzerland. And I wonder what's the benefit of having your base in Switzerland, and are there any disadvantages of, ha of having it there? Uh, sure. <clears throat> so, I mean, the, the the biggest benefit, just in, in general, is that uh, Switzerland is very you know receptive to uh, cryptocurrency and blockchain firms. Um, they've actually come out and set forth guidelines about uh, what your business model needs to look like, and if you have a token. Um, you know, what that token does gives you a certain classification, uh, you know, within the government by FINMA, who's the Swiss regulatory body that oversees all of this. Um, <clears throat> so, I, you know, I view that as an advantage. Um, you know, also, um, they're, they're very receptive um, just to the idea of that in general and, and startups. And there are a lot of good uh, legal resources there, um, as well as the fact that, you know, Switzerland is a, is a very stable place, a very stable economy, a very stable country. Um, if you, you know, if you do 
um, an ICO or if you do a blockchain project in a country that's not as stable or receptive to new technology, you may not have as much support from the government or the population as well. And it's important that um, when you're doing these kind of projects that you're ingrained in a society that not only understands and appreciates what you're doing, but will actually support you as well. Um, as far as disadvantages, <clears throat> you know, some people may view the regulation as a disadvantage. Um, personally, I don't. I think that if you want to operate, um, you know, and, and look like a real legitimate company, that you need to do so in a place that, uh, you know, actually has some regulatory framework and you're not just operating there because you don't have to abide by any rules. Um, you know, I can't really think of, of any other disadvantages besides, you know, that proposed one. Um, but yeah, that's what I would say. Okay, I guess maybe one disadvantage you, potentially is that, you know, it's not that large of a market, but even though your company is going to be global, so I guess that doesn't matter too much. Generally, yeah. I mean, if uh, if you're doing this kind of a project, it's not going to be a situation where you're going to offer a product or service, um, you know, to a single singular locality. Um, and, you know, while Switzerland is small, they're arguably one of the most stable and powerful countries in the world from, from you know, a, a bunch of different directions. So, um, you know, I think that, as a global player, as far as business goes, uh, you know, Switzerland is ranked pretty high. You know, with all the companies, startups, blockchain, ICOs that are sprouting a lot in healthcare, and uh, I was wondering, what do you think there is about Digifarm that actually sets you apart from any other competitors? Uh, I'd like to take that question. <laughs> um, and obviously the others, uh, whatever their uh, input is on this. But look, I, I, I think, you know, we followed, um, you know, a, lo a lot of these projects um, uh, starting off, uh, you know, a bit bit earlier in, in time. So maybe, you know, one or two years ago um, where you, you'd have these projects that are, you know, have have great ideas, I think, um, that are, you know, that, that completely make sense and that are, <clears throat> also way forward in healthcare. Um, however, I think they're pretty broad, right? Um, and one needs to realize that healthcare is not um, like, uh, you know, uh, certain, uh, like certain other industries, such as, you know, uh, the commerce space, right? Healthcare is very, very regulated and um, it's, it's, it's quite a delicate industry. And what we do differently at Digifarm is we do we tackle something right in healthcare that um, is is quite specific um, with a solution that's uh, or with solutions that are specific but have the potential to solve very big or address very big problems in healthcare right um, I think that's what uh, sets us apart in the first place and secondly also um, again with a lot of projects that have you know, um, come through via ICOs and, and, and all of that. Um, it, it was quite difficult for, for them to show real life adoption, right? And we have prioritized this to say, look, um, we want to make sure that we can show the world that what we're doing makes sense, theoretically, but also practically and can be used practically. Um, and in and and in in other words, that means that we have uh, we're already in adoption phase in certain areas um, uh, that that gives us that credibility, but also you know that that validation that we need to make this uh, successful. So I think those are the the major points that differentiate us from 
let's say, other healthcare projects uh, in this space. Okay, yeah, that's a, that's a good response. I, I agree with you that you have, you know, some adoption of validation, at least. Um, and one example is that, you know, Digifarm is one of the top 10 finalists at the Pfizer Healthcare Hub. So you got a grant from them. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that experience? Yeah, sure. Um, so essentially, I think, um, you know, what um, what uh, Pfizer was was looking for, you know, are projects that can transform um, uh, the healthcare industry, but in a again, in a in an extremely targeted way, right? So they were not looking for, you know, extremely broad projects, um, but but projects or, or companies that are targeting specific problems, right? And um, for us, I think this was very um, enlightening and, and also rewarding because we were recognized for something that um, uh, uh, that is achievable, right? And something that we feel um, uh, uh, um, quite proud of is that we actually got recognition from an industry um, uh, participant, you know, that is 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 really really out there, right? So um, Pfizer is the number three company, top um, uh, the number three pharma company by sales. So this gave us, um, you know, extreme validation and, and very much a recognition um, that we were pretty proud of. So I think it it, it validated and at the same time. Um, you know, they also recognize that this is something that would be, uh, you know, beneficial, not just for specific stakeholders in healthcare, but um, really a, a number of stakeholders in healthcare, such as patients, um, you know, manufacturers, pharma manufacturers like themselves, and even, uh, you know, payers such as uh, insurances, uh, may they be state, uh, uh, you know, government insurances or, or private insurances. So I think that was really rewarding for us. Okay, so I'm still a little bit not sold on the idea that you're solving a specific problem. I feel like, you know, you mentioned a lot of different types of uh, stakeholders that are involved. And, you know, looking at your white paper, I understand that you're building a reimbursement model and you're also uh, a reimbursement platform rather. And you're also you know, utilizing like dynamic pricing for value-based care. But what's the, if you had to, you know, define your problem in one sentence, what would it be? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you want, uh, I, I, I'm trying to give the others also the opportunity to speak, but I can go if, uh... all right. So in one sentence, I would say um, we're addressing uh, the unsustainable expenditure expenditure of healthcare. Okay. And making it sustainable. Okay, it's a little, a little, um, I don't know, I feel broad. Like it's a little broad. Um, but <laughs> yeah. So I, if I can have a second sentence. Sure. <laughs> so what we're doing is um, for. For treatments and services in healthcare, um, right, that do not provide value for patients, right, we're removing that risk um, for paying high prices for those treatments and services that don't work. And with that, we're enabling a model that rewards, um, let's say, manufacturers and providers who provide a treatment or service that does work with a um, with a positive effect.
like I tell everyone, if they go onto Google News now and type in value-based care, they'll see that nearly every, and every stakeholder in healthcare is moving and preparing to change the way they provide and deliver healthcare approach. What we feel is quite simple and targeted is essentially our solution. Essentially, blockchain technology coupled with smart contracts provides this perfect solution um, to bring all uh, and essentially remove the administrative burden, create a trusted network as well. So can you give me an example of uh, you know, a typical smart contract that can be used? I mean, for example, you're a large pharmaceutical manufacturer and you've created a, a new cancer treatment and you want to get this drug to market, go to the National Health Service in the UK. Um, and essentially, for us to provide your treatment, you'll need to enter an outcomes-based agreement or, or enter into a patient access scheme where, for example, patients who survive after six months will only pay the full costs for therapy and also these patients should re-hospitalized for a certain side effect so our system will sit in between all these players and be able to terms on the health uh, information system so whether that be a health record or a clinical registry and patients who, whose survival is beyond six months, then essentially an alert or an invoice or a payment using these smart contracts. And for those patients that perform worse, so, you know, they have a, you know, essentially die before this side effect of interest, which creates rehospitalization, then essentially um, the manufacturer is paid less for this treatment. And appreciate patients start treatment at different times. Um, they will have different events at different times. And at the moment, these kinds of agreements need to be tracked manually. It creates a huge administrative burden and essentially negates any of the savings or benefits that you'd get from implementing this. Welcome to the Health Unchained News Corner. Today's article is titled, How Blockchain and AI Can Help Pharma Focus on Innovation Rather Than Advertising. It is a Forbes article written by Dr. Gunjan Bardwaj, who's the co-founder and chief executive officer of Inoplexis AG. I will quote from the article. In 2012, the pharmaceutical industry spent more than $27 billion on drug promotion more than $24 billion on marketing to physicians and over $3 billion on advertising to consumers. Nine out of ten big pharmaceutical firms have been known to consistently spend much more on marketing than on research, which is probably what has created the underlying problem of unbalanced spending in the industry. In 2016, advertisement spending increased to a total of $5.2 billion, with more than a 60% in spending over the last four years. Even more interesting, one quarter of the industry's $5.2 billion that was spent in 2016 went to advertising just five drugs. 
By leveraging the technologies of AI and blockchain, the pharmaceutical industry could spend less on advertising by implementing highly focused and segmented campaigns that generate superior results at a fraction of the price. A fully transparent and trustworthy blockchain system would mean that pharma brands would finally be able to see how much of their spending actually ends up with the publisher. They would then have the ability to optimize the range of ad tech providers they work with based on the value added to the supply chain. As a result, they would avoid overpaying for advertising. They would also be able to steer clear of the $19 billion in fraudulent advertising that occurs worldwide each year, a staggering number calculated by Juniper Research. This new approach to advertising could be considered the beginning of a micro-digital advertising age in the pharmaceutical industry. And now back to the show with the DigiFarm team. I understand you guys uh, are, you know, in the middle of your ICO, is that right? Or starting to, you know, initiate conversations around the ICO. And if you don't want to talk about this, this is fine. Yeah, sure. I mean, we are getting ready, um, you know, and let's say putting everything in place and making sure we have the proper due diligence in place for a uh, 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 an excellent ICO. Right. And I know that, you know, reading about other ICOs, it's not an easy process. There's lots of red tape. There's lots of legal agreements that have to be formed, KYC, things like that. Um, what have you been seeing in your experience? Is it getting easier because there's more people doing it now or is it still getting harder because new uh, regulation is coming on you guys? I think it's getting um, I think it's getting better for investors. Um, and, and that's ultimately what matters, right? It shouldn't be about um, how easy is it to spin up an ICO. I, I think that's not, or run an ICO, that's not the question um, that I think the industry uh, should be asking itself or what the industry is looking for, uh, or the space, let's say, the ICO space is looking for. I think the ICO space is looking for um, companies that have a good idea and that have already proven themselves in one way or another um, and to give that trust, um, you know, so may that be in, in you know, with regulation, may that be with validation, uh, as I mentioned. So that is what um, is, is happening and it's a good thing that's happening. Now, some of the, the factors that are influencing that is um, let's say <clears throat> the, uh, the 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 mistrust, I would say, or or maybe the maybe not mistrust. Maybe I should correct that and say the the skepticism, right? That that's going around. Um, and again, um, together with you know being in Switzerland, like specifically for our ICO, where um, certain regulation is, um, is is being worked on and, and refined. Um, that is making sure that project, good projects will, will be successful and projects that do not, um, you know, are not focusing on, on providing value to, to uh, society or, or um, specifically solving a, a problem. I think those projects will have it uh, uh, much more difficult, um, which is good that way. Do you know how much you're trying to raise? 
Yeah, so we're 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 uh, working on that as well right now because a lot of it is also planning. Um, we don't want to be raising money we don't essentially need. Um, so we're still um, planning on on exactly um, you know what uh, the the hard cap and the soft cap should be, but we'll be releasing that information soon. How do you feel about the team you and your leadership have assembled? Mm. Yeah, so um, you know. One of the things we realized, um, and and this goes goes back to one of the questions you I think asked uh, around you know what sets us apart from uh, other similar projects or, or healthcare um, blockchain projects. I think it's in with healthcare it's really really difficult to uh, have an impact and and be successful without you know sufficient experience and and network within the healthcare industry. Right. And this is something we, we realized um, and, and uh, we learned to appreciate as well. So we made sure that um, in our team, we would have uh, the ability or we would have profiles that um, resemble the, uh, the clients and the stakeholders that we're approaching. Right. And concretely, that means, you know, we have um, team members with backgrounds in, in pharma. Uh, such as uh, Ahmed and, and myself. We also have um, uh, uh, doctors. We have um, uh, team members that have been working with uh, insurances and even, you know, healthcare information system um, professionals. Um, so, so that's a wide range. And then on the technical side, of course, uh, the blockchain piece, and very happy to have um, Zach uh, with us as well. Um, so it's essentially a, a good mix um, of profiles um, that, that we put together and very consciously put together. Um, and also with the advisors, again, we, we wanted to make sure that, you know, this is not about, so our project is not just about an ICO, right? An ICO is just a mean, uh, it's just a means of raising uh, the necessary funds for, for doing something great. Um, so we looked at it from a strategic point of view to say, okay, you know, what is it that we need to make this company and to make our solution successful, right? And of course, at the same time, um, you know, have a successful ICO. But again, the, the primary focus was essentially to push this company forward and its, and its solutions in the real world. So ICO is definitely not the purpose. Like you're not just trying to raise money just to raise money, of course. And I think it's important to, you know, measure how much you need and, you know, raise that amount. Um, you don't want to skew the public interest. Um, so I want to kind of go into the future a little bit and just imagine some possibilities. Uh, for example, you know, biotech industry is getting more precise with its with, with its medicines and pharmaceuticals and drugs are becoming more targeted and precision medicine is becoming more of a reality. And I think that with precision medicine, your platform could be you know, very important because then you have you know, not clinical trials per se, but you'll have more uh, freedom to customize different types of treatments and solutions. And then you'll use potentially artificial intelligence to take that data and just you know, crush it and create new analyses and insights out of that. Um, how much are you guys thinking about those kinds of technologies? Uh, are you working with other companies to get started on that, or is it too early? Oh no, absolutely, absolutely. I think um, you know our strategy is to 
um, you know, focus on 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 really um, establishing ourselves in the market. And and as you know, you know, we had the discussion about this industry being extremely regulated, and you know, I would say in in many ways also conservative. But um, that's those are the things that are definitely on the roadmap, especially once again we've established ourselves and have the trust of the the stakeholders to deliver what we promise to uh, to deliver. So you know you mentioned something around um, the AI piece, the the precision medicines or, or or personalized healthcare, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then I'd like to another. I'd like to add something else in there, which is you know the focus on let's say uh, uh, gene therapy, right? So where essentially um, you know genomic profiling um, or let's say genomic sequencing um, will be more and more happening, and 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 based on you know uh, the understanding of uh, the individual's um, genome treatments will be based or manufactured um, to ensure the, the the highest effect of that treatment for those patients. So there we see enormous potential and we have plans, um, you know, to also um, expand into, into that area. Um, I cannot, uh, you know, uh, disclose at this point exactly what, uh, what that looks like, um, but we do have a very strong opinion and a very strong um, vision on that as well. I think it's also important to note that without a system like ours, personalization of medicine, precision medicine can't happen. Essentially, what you have when you're developing treatments for smaller patient groups is you have a smaller number of essentially patients to make the same amount of money that you'd have made as if you were making a blockbuster drug. So you have the same R&D process, right? Nothing is faster with that. And at the same time, we're now seeing because patient, uh, sorry, uh, manufacturers are targeting these smaller patient groups, they have to charge these higher costs as well to make that money back. And this is making the health system unsustainable, essentially. And this is something we really need to address. And, and that's what our platform is also there for. So rewarding these organizations that have innovated, that have created these personalized therapies, but at the same time, it has to work. Because otherwise, health systems will be broke, insurers will be broke, patients will be broke, and essentially, everyone will suffer at the end. What does your roadmap look like and what kind of promises have you made um, to the public or to your investors? I think because we are, you know, as Zach mentioned, we are in Switzerland and we're working to, uh, within the FINMA framework, we will have an MVP um, buy token release and that's for uh, our flagship solutions. And with that then, uh, we hope to have completed our pilots by the end of 2018 and our proof of concept studies to start to really push a global rollout in 2019. And um, hopefully at the end of Q3, after our ICO, we'll have the funds to start developing um, our pipeline projects as well. It's a pretty aggressive timeline, I think. Um, do you have developers ready uh, to go? I, I think um, the good thing is we have a partnership with Swisscom, who is the Swiss state-owned telecom provider. 
and they're providing us all the technical and developmental resources that we require. So this is exactly how we have been able to have a functioning platform essentially by the end of Q2, essentially, you know, two or three months before even the release of our token. So this is why we have essentially not gone to ICO earlier because we have been so focused on pushing that business development side, getting our networks ready, getting our pilots set up. And that's what our focus is. Our ICO is just a method for the fundraising and to obviously allow investors and the public to essentially be part of this new network for payment and reimbursement. Yeah, let me also just uh, add, add to that point. You know, Ahmed mentioned the in interesting uh, a factor that you know, as per uh, the ICO regulation uh, we work towards. So the, the the Swiss Financial Market Authority ICO regulation, our platforms need to be ready by token release. Um, but the truth of the matter is that, you know, that's just one, one factor that's pushing the development of our solutions. The, the second factor and the much more, um, you know, I think for us important factor is that the industry is asking, um, you know, uh, <laughs> is, is demanding a solution to be ready from our side. So we're having all these conversations with um, you know big pharma and also payers um, insurance companies around the world and uh, the the question we get um, is you know this uh, that that you know this this our concept and our you know MVP sounds great when can they roll out and, and start really testing this on a global scale so I, I think that is really something that um, you know gives us much more of a drive um, and of course, you know, covers the whole aspect of us not just raising uh, or, or, or having an ICO um, and, and raising the money for uh, no reason uh, at all. So this gives us very much a reason. Um, but as I said, the drive really comes also from the industry. How can people get involved? Meaning if I was you know, a leader of a pharmaceutical company, how do I get in contact with you guys? And if I wanted to develop with you or um, work on some projects with you, how, how do we get in touch? How do people get in touch? Sure. So this would be um, simply, um, you know, I would say that uh, <laughs> it almost sounds like it's a traditional way, but uh, just go on our website, um, www.digifarm.ch. Um, we have an info address as well um, that is, uh, you know, um, being used info at digifarm.ch. Um, and we'll, uh, you know, we continuously uh, attend um, interesting uh, healthcare uh, uh, meetings and events, um, as well as then also, you know, in, in, in the blockchain space. So, um, you know, just keep an eye out. Um, we have more information coming up now with with the new ICO website uh, we'll be posting um, some more information around uh, where where you uh, where they would be able to meet us we've also been some pharma companies have been directly contacting us on contacting us on LinkedIn as well so that's uh, that's been an interesting you know source as well um, yeah yeah the power yeah. of LinkedIn has been really um, <laughs> fortunate for me as well um, it's, there's a lot of potential yeah. on that platform 
Yeah, I think um, Ahmed is really addressing a fair point because, um, you know, it's it's such a direct way of communication, right? You can essentially get access to, let's say, CEOs, CFOs of small companies, of large companies, um, but also, you know, really targeted, um, let's say, approaches to um, uh, profiles and, and, and contacts uh, that, that interest you and you want to engage with. So... I, I do have to agree with Ahmed that has been, and you, Ray, uh, that has been really a great tool for us, um, you know, in, in, in moving things forward and, um, you know, reaching out to the right people and also getting um, uh, reached out to. You also don't want to forget the, your Telegram group. Also, it's got over 6,000 members in it. So I think that's another place where people can <laughs> make contacts as well. Uh, that's t.me slash digifarm. Uh, any final thoughts, guys, regarding you know the healthcare industry globally? Um, how you see yourselves in the space, or um, you know the blockchain marketplace in general? No, I, I think um, you know when when people sometimes ask us, you know, what's your vision and what's you know why are you doing this and and where do you see this going and. One of the things I, I always mention for me personally, you know, as, as, as the co-founder as well, is um, I, I tell a story where essentially, you know, we talk about, you know, imagine that someone in the world has, you know, unfortunately a serious disease, right? And um, has, you know, limited funds to, to be able to pay for that treatment um, that's supposed to, you know, uh, uh, improve improve their health or cure that disease. But now imagine that, you know, they could use our platform, right, the Digifarm platform, where we bring together, you know, the pharma company that's actually providing that treatment and uh, the patient in that setting um, where they would only pay for uh, uh, the value that they get from this treatment or this drug. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's a nice way for me to, to, or that's a great motivation for me to, um, to, to work for this company and make it uh, a reality. Because essentially, um, that's what we're here for at the end of the day, um, to make sure that, you know, patients um, can, uh, can get access to high quality uh, drugs for a price that, you know, they can afford. Um, and yeah, I think that's uh, sure. That's what we like to see uh, happening. It kind of makes me like actually, hmm. you know, your story kind of clarified the project a little more. It's a little bit of a risk sharing, you know, using smart contracts to develop risk sharing models for uh, pharmaceutical companies directly with the patient, so they can avoid all the companies that might have to be in between. Absolutely, I, I think that really depends on. You know, you, you mentioned that and, and that depends on also, you know, the uh, the countries itself and let's say the healthcare systems. But yes, definitely in, in countries, you know, like the US as well, where you do have high, you know, co-payments, right? That is a very viable um, result of what our uh, solution um, could do. Absolutely. Ahmed? Zach, any final thoughts? Uh, anything you want to leave the audience with? Uh, for me, I'd just say um, 
we're not we're, we're very different to other organizations because we're not trying to develop a platform where we hope people will use it or we hope it will be used in the future or anything like that this is something that we know that health systems are, uh, are moving to we see it internally for the organizations we've worked with and we also see it externally quite openly as well and that's something you know we're right at the front of so there's nobody else providing what we want to provide being that independent solution that sits between all these stakeholders and the cool thing is you know we use blockchain and people can invest in it normal name and people can invest in it with no barriers so i think that's something that's really cool uh yeah and so i guess i would just say that um you know, I, I'm a technologist at, at my core, and I've spent the majority of my life trying to solve problems in the world using technology. Uh, blockchain is a is a very impressive technology. It has a lot of use cases and applications, and a lot of uh, a lot of real possibility to solve a lot of different problems. Um, I think healthcare is an industry that sort of tends to lag behind a bit in innovation, simply due to the size and the complexity of it. Um, blockchain is a very elegant solution for a lot of problems that exist within the space, and I think our solution is exactly that. It's it's quite simple, it's very elegant, and it solves a real problem. So, very nice, guys. I appreciate your time, and really looking forward to hearing the feedback from our listeners as well. Um, you know, thank you again for joining Health Unchained, and you know, look forward to following your story, following DigiFarm, and best of luck to you all. Yeah. Thank you very much, Ray. Thanks, Ray. Hey, y'all, you cyberpunk health warriors and nimble digital disruptors. Check out healthunchained.org. And remember to subscribe to Health Unchained on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and iTunes. Join the Health Unchained community on our Telegram group, t.me slash healthunchained. If you enjoyed this episode, tell your friends, your bosses, your teams, your students, to listen and subscribe. Thank you.